Your head looks great. Oh, okay. Did you recently shave it? No. No? I'm fuzzy. Oh. Well, looks shiny on camera. Do you get it polished? Or not really? I'm, I'm curious. You could tell I Joe Rogan I put moisturize does. on it. Okay. Like you no one Joe... gets their head polished. I don't. What do you mean? No one gets their head polished. I feel like I've seen that before. As a joke, maybe, but it's not what? a real bald head polishing. Yeah, like I see people sometimes, like even like on some like wipes, like <laughs> and then it's, it's moisturizer. Okay, I mean that makes sense I'm looking because it's this skin. Up now. <laughs> I feel like that's a thing. There's definitely a polish. I've seen people take rags to it. And they probably put moisturizer. Bald head bomb or a bald head polish. That's yeah. the first time ever seeing of it. Yeah. I, knew it was I don't know thing. that I'd want to put that on my head. Yeah. I mean, I used to put balm on my beard and shit. And I can't, I couldn't imagine if that was just like on my head. Bald head polish. <laughs> what the fuck? You're going to start going into a video swirl of just people doing that you should step up your barber game dude <laughs> start offering that to your both clients offer a spit shine at the end of my service there you go <laughs> which had we that didn't about? sound right <laughs> okay so we are probably having the most informative streak of um episodes that we've had yet last week we did the second segment of the history of reticulated python going from 1970 up until 2014 and then can't lie i'm anxious to get back to those yeah no i'm 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 excited and and what we have coming up for you guys nathan tell them a little bit about what today's episode is and then we'll cover what the next two are going to be yeah so i mean this is definitely important to anyone dealing with locality specific reticulated pythons so we're talking about what makes a pure locality python a pure locality python yeah you know it, there's there's a lot of things that you hear around the forums and you know a lot of again misinformation that we want to clear up and you know just go through our process of you know how we can feel confident about getting into a locality yeah and before we jump any further into that, next week, we are going to be talking about a specific line of pure localities, and we're going to go through and apply kind of the information today to see if it is what it is. And um, and then the week after that, we're back into the final segment of the history of reticulated pythons. So you guys are in for an awesome month of the retic lounge. Um, and uh, yeah, Lucas is making me wait an extra two weeks. Damn it. Right. Right. I mean, I feel like we got to space them out or else all of our views will go in three weeks and then we're back to, to nothing. Okay. If it were up to me, though, that would have been back to back to back. I'm just so into it. Well, I want to hear your guys' feedbacks. After we do all three of them, would you guys like for us to put out an episode of the three of them all combined so that it's a single episode for you guys to, and not like we would leave out the intro and stuff like that for each of the episodes, but just like the informative content for each one. Let us know in the comments below. Um, before we jump in, um, our Patreon's popping. If you guys want to join, join the Retake Lounge. Uh, Patreon, uh, our members have been great. And uh, yeah, um, I'm excited to jump in. So 
Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and are all over social media. Sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Designs help small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for US Arc, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with Retix through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level, you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows, you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd, and you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also, you have big ideas and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit stuartdesignbrands.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brands own markets. Stuart Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best-looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? Look no further than Heli Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer, creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your retics environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 for a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heli Guy Serpents, the premier source for 3D printed caging accessories. Again, that's www.heliguyserpents.com and use our promo code TRL10 for 10% off all of your 3D printed accessories today. Nathan, let's first, so in terms of like pure locality pythons, we're, we're so because me and you are just in the reticulated python game like as far as the animals we keep right now 
Yeah. Even though, even though I'm sure that we have some information about other, the way other people do things, but we're going to really be sticking to the reticulated Python and what pure localities are here. And then uh, I just want to throw out a disclaimer before I let Nathan kind of jump into uh, some of the points that we're going to talk about. Um, A lot of this is what me and Nathan use, but a lot of this is what we learned through our mentors. And what's also just kind of common, um, how we commonly like as an industry are identifying what's a locality retic. So Nathan, let's talk about why it's important in the first place to even like have a standard on how we do this. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll, I'll start off with why locality and making sure you're getting the right locality was important to me when I got into uh, super dwarf reticulated pythons. Uh, if, if you've been following any of my stuff, you know that I work with heavy Kalatoa to jam, small percentage Jampea crosses. So um, my establishing girl was 75% Kalatoa, 12.5% Jampea. Um, back at that time, I don't think unless you were digging through, you know, the Retic Nation forums, uh, and I didn't even know that that was a thing when I was looking at reticulated pythons, uh, you know, what the importation looked like, you know, how many hands they had to cross to make it to the breeder that sold them to me. All I knew is that Kalatoa was one of the smallest localities and that I needed to find the highest percentage Kalatoa snake to be able to confidently get into reticulated pythons. Right. Yeah. When you guys are looking for specific locality stuff or you hear, um, you know, if you guys are looking for localities, like pure localities, this plays a part. Um, Or if you guys are looking for like crosses and making sure that they are the localities and representative, it's important that I think that we have like a a standard and way of doing that. Um, And one thing I just want to mention is um, there are people out there that have a great reputation uh, in terms of locality and identifying what localities are. And so a lot of people buy animals from individuals that have these reputations and, and don't bother to do their independent research and not necessarily, not necessarily saying that's wrong, but like, um, even for me, right. Like people will come to me and said, Hey, um, I, I heard your, your, you work with locality stuff. What do you have available? I tell them, you know, I have Kaiwadi, I have Kalatoa, I have some Philippines available. And um, some people will purchase these animals from me and not ask me a single question about the background history. And like, it, it's awesome that people put that trust into me. But like when I, when they say yes, I'm like, okay, here's the information. I give it to them anyways, because um, I, I try to encourage everybody to just do your own homework. Even if you're buying from um, people that have a much better reputation and just uh, are more of a long-standing breeder than than I am, so it's important that we have uh, standards in a way of tracking these things, and that's kind of what we're going to go through a little bit today. Yeah, and I think as a locality person yourself, that's extremely, extremely important to you. Yeah. Um, I, it's definitely important to me. I want to make sure that I'm representing my animals in the correct way. But I think it's also like, you know, locality in in my world is more important in terms of size and color and that kind of thing. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, they play a different role in regards to um, morphs than just the pure stuff. But I mean, I also think it's important like with morphs, right? Like when we're trying to selectively breed for a specific trait or something like that, you know, you want, want to make sure that your locality data is good. So I, I think that that's a really good point. So yeah. first, <clears throat> first and foremost, um, this is all something that we're doing informative, no hidden agenda. We're just going to put information out there. And I want to start with just debunking some of the common myths and statements that many make about pure locality retics. Okay. So, so first one that comes to my mind when I'm digging through any kind of argument on any page about the, this being a legit locality is where's the paperwork, Lucas? Right. Um, what, what's your thoughts in, in your, your, you know, what, what you first thought and then what, what you know now, I'm, I'm curious on, on what that's like for you. You know, in my mind, like I'm thinking about the importation process and I'm thinking about these animals making their way all the way from Indonesia. And yeah, I would love to think that there's a detailed list of everything in that box and really labeled out in localities and everything like that. But you have to realize that it's coming from Indonesia. Like, there's going to be a language barrier. There's going to be just, you know, they they might not care as much about localities over there. You know, it's uh, whoever's shipping out that box, they're they're worried about just getting those animals over. Right. So uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is I've never seen any paperwork for any of these pure localities ever. Right. Right. And I would challenge all of you who own pure locality animals um, to go back to the breeder that you got it from and follow the steps that we're going to provide here and try to see if there's paperwork because I, I really want to just like talk about the idea that um, unfortunately locality retics was important for like a handful of people prior to the Lacey Act ban. And we, and we don't have an equivalent of AKC or anything like that for snakes, right. reptiles, not, At not, least that I'm aware of. No, not yet. I'm hoping that we get there, right? Like I'm hoping that the standard starts to get better and we can at least start from somewhere and then start tracking, right? And I think that that would be cool. But but guy, I mean, I, I have been digging into locality information since I got into this and I have only seen paperwork from one person and that paperwork are just the receipts of someone <clears throat> purchasing those animals off of the importer. Um, R&B Reptiles has paperwork for um some carampas for um some bantang sulueses for uh ternates for Halmaheras. like he has some receipts of just getting it from the importer now if you go to the importer and you ask for the the sites paperwork the c-i-t-e-s cites cites sites whatever yeah. um I, you know most of them probably aren't even going to have it um and so i just want to just start off right there that um, this idea of like paperwork, I think what really people are talking about is this idea of like a paper trail, which we're going to get into and, and, um, what a paper trail means when it comes to locality information. So first myth being debunked, if you want actual paperwork, you're not going to find it. If you want the paperwork that says, this is where the animal came from and you got it from the importer, very unlikely that you will ever, ever find it. Uh, there's probably 
less than a handful of people that have it. And out of those handful of people, um, most of them don't even breed and sell to the public. So good luck asking them to share that information with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it comes down to a, a trust thing a little bit. I mean, sure, yeah. you can look at identifying factors on that snake color pattern, saddle count, that kind of thing. But you're you're trusting the word of, you know, whoever's selling that animal here in the States. And even past that, I mean, you're then having to trust the word of the importer if you can get information leading back all the way to the importer. Yeah. Um, and importers are not, um, importers are not always the easiest to get a hold of. It took me a while to get a hold of Dan Leary at one point. It took a bit for me to get a hold of Cameron at Bushmaster. It took a hold of, uh, a while for me to talk to Eric Keister at Fascination Herbs. But I, I want to jump into like the second biggest thing that I want to debunk, um, that I hear a lot. And for me, it's a little, I mean, I understand where the argument is coming from and it's a totally valid point. And, uh, I think this I is... also think a little impossible too. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, so what we're referring to is, uh, the, the idea that we hear a lot of people say, well, if you weren't there to collect the animal from the wild, uh, and on that specific Island, do you really know what Island it came from? And to those people that say that, you know what? You got me like you. First of all, you would have to smuggle that animal. Well, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Um, having a, I picked this out of the wild Kalatoa doesn't really look good on any of us, especially you. Right. Um, Now I will say there's people like Wolfgang where he went out to the wild. He saw some animals. He had an exporter and this was before the Lacey Act ban and uh, hand selected some wild animals and then had field collectors collect them and he brought them back into the country that that's again, that's as rigorous and as legit as it's gotten, but Wolfgang doesn't sell to the the public you know, his animals, he just doesn't do that. But is he uh, in the U S he is. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's, he's <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was across the pond for sure. No. So he, was I haven't born, really interacted with him. So he, he's, he's born across the pond, which is why his keeping standards and everything is so drastically different than a lot of us. Um, but, but I, I'm pretty sure he's the only one who's actually gone in, um, I, I know I'm 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 on Dan Maleri's um Patreon and he has some really good information. And so he goes out there, he's out in Indonesia, he goes to the places, he That's what he, I think of is talk to the people that are over there either regularly or have been over there recently. I mean, Daniel Solis as well is a great resource for, you know, just cat or wild pictures of these animals. So you can right. compare them to your captive animals. Right. Um you know, Dan Maleri does a lot to establish his whole importation process. He goes out there, he selects the facility, he selects the people, he gets the proper licenses, he has the people that he talks to, the exporters, like he selects all that. He lives stuff. out there, he has family right. out there, like, yeah, the connection runs deep. Right. But outside of outside of those two examples, um, let me let me talk about how in every reptile species localities are assigned and given by the exporter and importer relationship. And then they're dispersed to the hobbyists and to the breeders. Um, and it's a wildly accepted or a wide, a widely accepted, um, thing in the carpet Python community, the green tree Python community, the scrub Python community, boas, 
all these other species where we are going based off of the importer got this locality and then we are trusting that information. So to say in retics that like, well, if you weren't there, then then we can apply that to every single species of reptiles. And guess what? Then at that point, every locality data from every single species is illegitimate, right? So I, I don't like that argument um, because there there's a difference that I want to kind of caveat into Um but before, like I, we even caveat into like what a pure locality is to us as hobbyists versus like scientifically us us as herpetoculturists or right right however Glenn says it all fancy yeah herpeto herpetoculturists whatever <laughs> um but so one thing that I really liked that the Green Tree Python community did um yeah. is is they they really learned that early on that like, okay, well, we're not going to be out there in the wild. And so everything that they refer to with localities is types, right? So there's a root type. And what they mean by that, it's there, you know, a and green tree pythons are known to have uh, white speckling, super vibrant greens produce all yellow neos. Um, and so when those animals are imported and they look like a ruse and they're told from importation that they're a ruse, they call them a types. Same thing with Maru types. And this goes across the board in the green tree by the community. And yeah, I mean, the first time I heard a locality debate or discussion was on NPR and they are just talking about, you know, Morelia localities. And to be honest, it sounded a lot more advanced than where we are in the retic community. Yeah. And, And sadly it goes back to what we were talking about. It's just people in retics, when we started importing and we started realizing there were morphs and stuff, we just didn't really keep or consider locality data. It wasn't the agenda for the majority of Rita keepers early on until, you know, we, we decided to, uh, you know, well, not we decided, but you know, there was that ban with the Lacey act and then people were like, shit, let me import, you know, locality stuff um, yeah and now it's going back to us talking to people in indonesia and in different parts of that area and trying to determine where genetic stripe or where golden child or you know where any of these morphs originated from looking back and right. talking to people over there so let's get into this next point um to kind of combat that whole uh well if you weren't there then how do you really know right um you know, because if we use that mindset, we're sitting, all of us are sitting on a throne of lies. There's no such thing as any pure locality, anything. And um, yeah, that that just, um, so I think it's important to differentiate what a pure locality is to a herpetoculturist versus like a biologist or scientist and like how that differs. And uh, before we go into this, I want to give Glenn a shout out. Um, he was having a discussion, not even it wasn't even aware in our Patreon that this was going to be a uh, thing that we recorded today. And this happened the day before. And uh, I asked him if we could use some of the information that he was putting on there because it was very valid. Um, so Nathan, talk about kind of that first point in regards to like what the difference really is. Yeah. So uh, are you talking about the GPS coordinations? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a big yeah. part of it. So I mean, with a bio with a biologist and like differing between us as herpetologists or whatever we want to call ourselves, herpetoculturists, herpetoculturists. All right, Glenn would be proud. Um, but 
getting GPS coordinates of where the animal was located. And then they would need to extract, you know, blood samples and DNA from that animal to be able to compare against our captive populations. Right. Um, so like a big thing in science, right? Because um, we have a professor um, here in the States that works with retics, um, Raul Diaz. And um, we, we were, you know, I think back a while ago when we were getting importations uh, and animals and stuff, um, someone who had like receipts and stuff was like, hey, can you use my animals here in the United States uh, to take samples of so that we can actually have some data in regards to these localities? And the answer was no. Because in science, what they need to do is they you literally need to have the GPS coordinates of where you caught that animal in order for it to be, without a doubt, scientifically legit that this animal came from this GPS you know, coordinate on this island next to this tree. Like that, that's how... <laughs> yeah, pinpoint it. Right. And, and that, to me, is the same argument of, well, if you weren't there when they caught it, then you don't know, right? Well, and, so and the DNA on the west side of Kalatoa or the east side of Kalatoa could be different. Could, yeah. And we're talking about islands that are close enough where there could be intermingling of island localities. So, you know, there there could be differences just based on where you found that animal. Right. And so um, that that is why as a hobby... And that's why as a community, we have different standards than the, if you weren't there, then you don't know what it is. Um, when we look at the captive population, what we identify as a pure locality just wouldn't meet scientifically sound data due to the animal not meeting that criteria that we just talked about. But the way that we determine it is number one, the animals have to have sufficient lineage and data that can be traced back to importation or as close as importation as possible. And Nathan made a very good point in regards to the people that we talk to and their reputation and how trustworthy really make a big difference in that. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely selective on who I buy animals from just because I have to, you know, trust you at least on some level that these animals are going to be what you say they are. Yeah. Um, when you purchase an animal, you know, like I mentioned before, you, you gotta, it's worthwhile for you to say, where'd you get the parents or where'd you get the uh, parents of the baby I'm buying? Um, if you produce them, you know, where'd you get the grandparents and then confirming and it, getting the information either from the breeder and confirming it, or, you know, you can take it as is right. If that's what you want to do. Um, I'm annoying. I like to go back as far as possible, which is why I was blocked from Eric Keister after I asked him a bunch <laughs> of questions. Um, I, which who imported my Kalatoa and, uh, I, 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 you know, he asked me, he's like, he gave me the information, confirmed everything. And then the next day I messaged him and was like, Hey, if you don't mind me asking, like when I, I try to ask him, Hey, if you don't mind me asking, do you, um, you know, when you got animals in from shipments, did you ever have any mixed bags or anything like that? And literally I checked my messages and uh, was blocked. I was like, okay. So he obviously doesn't like to talk <laughs> to, to people who are scrubs in the community when they want to get some information. But um, so yeah, you want to try to trace back. And so what we consider a pure locality in this country is 
identifying what the locality is and then going back to importation if absolutely possible. Um, and then, yeah, you can use things like comparing them to, um, you know, uh, other animals in that population from confirmed bloodlines. Like you can use the visual cues, but, but I would say in the Jampionis genus, um, there's overlap, I think with each Island that, that, uh, you know, I've seen some Kalatoas that look busier than some Karampas and vice versa. And I've seen some yeah. Madus that don't have the open back that we associate them with. So you got to be very careful when you're doing that kind of stuff. Um, now yeah, it's you have to be careful, but it, it also comes back down to, do we know what a Kalatoa is supposed to look like? Do we know what a Madu is supposed to look like? Do we know what a Jampea, you know, depending on where you found that animal, like it could be drastically different. Um, so, you know, not all just going to a carbon copy of each other, you know? Right. And then let's say there's animals in questions and we're actually going to, uh, we're going to start to kind of get into example of pure locality retics and like, just, we're going to give you some information on their lineage data that we, we compiled and did a little bit of research prior to this episode. Um, but you're going to see some of the information that's on here. Um, on some of these localities that we have that getting information from the importer is still questionable, but we, you know, how reputation and that person's motives and when they got the animal um, and, and whether that animal at one point, you know, switched localities or maintained the same information throughout the time uh, is, is really important. So um Nathan, why don't we start with the very first locality that we have on our list and the information, um, Madu, since that's a pretty hot locality, um, and a lot of people want it. Yeah, I, I have I have a friend here locally that you know that's the the prize of his collection is his Madu stuff. Bread and um, so Mod uh, Madus Garrett Hartle is producing F two Madus F ones were acquired by Garrett. Uh, from Jonathan Holflich. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I'm not yeah. super familiar with him. Um, and that also, also needs to be confirmed. Yeah. I'm 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 when we were going through and doing this, I'm pretty positive that Garrett got them from Jonathan Holflich. Um, but but that would just need to be confirmed. So Garrett, if you're listening and you want to throw this out in the comments, um, let us know. Um yeah, yeah. continue. So uh, Jonathan supposedly obtained them from Rodney uh, over at RMB. RMB obtained that mail from uh, Adam Tafik. Sorry, these names I, I'm not sure yeah. if I'm pronouncing correctly. So if I'm offending anyone, I think my it's Tafik or something like that. But yeah, yeah. And uh, the female, uh, no recollection of uh, who the female was obtained by, but was obtained as a Madu locality retic as early as 2008 2009 so importation back then was wide open uh it's very easy that uh we could find paperwork or paperwork <laughs> we should have importation uh info it would just require a little bit more digging right so i mean i and when i was getting this information i spoke to rodney himself and rodney was you know rodney is um, there's even a post on when I was looking back through all the information, there's even a post where, you know, Garrett, I think back in 2000 and 
18, I would have to go back into my phone. I'm not going to do that. But but a few years back, Garrett posted a picture of Amadu. Um, and someone asked him, where did you get it from? Um, or or what line is this? And he said, uh, R&B Reptiles. And um, um, that was on the U.S. Superdorf page. And I was able to to see that. And I was like, okay, so Garrett Garrett's line did come from R&B. And so where my mind goes, I'm kind of running you through the process of how I did this. I went to Rodney and I said, hey, where'd you get your line? of Madu's. And Rodney said, I got the mail from Adam Taufik, who, who, um, who, uh, said that it was imported as a Madu. Um, and I believe that was back in like 2010 and 11 around there that he said. And then I asked, well, where'd you get the female from? And he's like, I couldn't tell you, I got that animal as far back as 2008 and 2009, but um, yeah, you know, we're talking 15 years ago. So right, and 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 he's like, uh, you know, I, there was, you know, I I wasn't given any information. I wasn't given paperwork and everything, but it looked exactly like what we know as a Madu. And um, I also want to give you kind of like the context of like Zeitgeist, right? So back in the day, again, not a lot of people were tracking locality stuff, and it wasn't super duper important. So, um. This was early enough on where he got the animals that the Madu wasn't lost in translation. And back then, Madus weren't selling for $5,000 a piece. There wasn't a reason for people to lie about locality data back in 2008 because these animals that were wild caught were selling for 200 bucks, right? So that that's something I think that's important to know in terms of like, even the Madus that we have today um, that we are saying are Madus, um, as far back as we can go, like we, the person who then produced F1s from the wild caught and then was able to get a hold of those animals. And now we're producing F2s over at Reach Out Reptiles. Um, we, we, there, there's still questions to be answered there. Right. Um, so let's talk about Bali. Um, I put Bali in here because Bali is pretty easily traceable. I love uh, how they look, but yeah, I know nothing about the lineage. So jump yeah. off. Let me go into it. So most recently there was two clutches produced one in 2018 and one in 2020 by Nicholas Berg. Just a discrepancy that I want to share with everyone. Everyone thinks that Nicholas Berg is part of locality core with Wolfgang. Not the case. Um, Nicholas Berg produced those two clutches. Um, there was another clutch that was produced in 2019 by locality core Wolfgang out of those animals that produced those clutches. There were animals that came from Notaho, um, that, uh, Notaho, uh, imported these animals and there were clutches in 2008 and 2010. Um, R and B reptiles obtained a shipment from Mike Cole of ballroom south or ballroom python south um and that shipment of animals rodney sold to people around the country um and we we really don't know where many of those animals are now i i could tell you the same about you know the the clutch of uh purple albinos or whatever was produced in the clutch my first night came from I'm one right. of the only people where you still know where one of those animals are. Right. Um, that, and that's, again, sadly, what happened to locality retics. Well, and that's there. that's seven years ago. So that's right. that's my point is like, even though that was a little bit further back, like 
right. this stuff gets lost and like miscommunicated and muddied real fast because right. some people just don't care. Right. And that's what's good about lineage tracking. It's like, okay, well, we forgot names and everything, but these animals look exactly like the parents that were imported by A, B, and C. And so, you know, we can get an idea of like what the animal should look like. Right. Um, so um, anyways, Notoho had clutches in 2008 and 2010. Um, R&B reptiles worked on the other side of things, um, got the shipment of Mike Cole, but Anyways, the clutches that Wolfgang and Nicholas Berg produced back in 2018, 19, and 2020, um, one of the animals from was from the Notaho line. One of the animals was from the R&B line. Um, so those two different lines were combined to make what we recently have been able to produce from 2018 to 2020. Um, is so, it Noda? Sorry, this is just my brain just catching up. But is it Notaho or Noda How? Nope. I just knew someone with that last name and it was maybe pronounced it, how maybe it's how I apologize again. These are names that, that again, are, like I've, I've been screwing up names this whole episode. So who am I to say anything, but I mean, me and Nathan have not been in this long enough to actually like have an idea of probably big names in the industry that we probably should know their names, but we just don't. <laughs> well, big names in retics, but you know how the retic industry is people come and go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next one uh, is the uh, uh, one that we want to give an example. So by the way, all of these that we're reading and we are giving you the information of what's recently happened and going back as far as we can. We're just trying is, to be as factual as possible. Right. And this is what you guys should be doing with the animals that you obtain is what I'm trying to say, right? Like if yeah. I, if, if, if me and Nathan in a few days can go back, talk to people, obtain all this information, um, then you guys can certainly do that if you're going to spend two, three thousand dollars on an animal. Um, all right, so Bangtang Sula, Nathan, go ahead and cover that. Yeah, so uh, John Holflich uh, produced clutches in 2018 and 2020. Uh, they were obtained the original animals again from R&B. That was local localities always been really important, and then uh, R&B obtained those uh, animals from Cameron up at Bushmaster. Um, so again, that one is pretty easy to follow because John Hoflich is really Jonathan. Um, he's, he's really known for just spearheading the Bainting Sulawesi, uh, locality. Those animals were obtained from Rodney. Um, and, uh, you know, Rodney got those imported from Bushmaster. As a matter of fact, um, I think Rodney says he still has receipts for the Bainting's. Yeah, I, I mean, for my stuff, I was able to track some of my animals as far back as the Canadian importer who brought them into the U.S. Yeah, so um, anyone who has any Bantang in them, um, I'm pretty sure that they all came from the the same area. I know that the goat line was established from this same line. Yep. Um, all that good stuff. Um, so, um, Is that a project that's still continuing or was that a one-off? No, no, no. I know. I, I know. I mean, there's uh, a couple. I know Chris Hokey, uh, Constrictor Cove on our Patreon. He's got some bane tanks that he's working with. Uh, well, no, no, no. The goat line in particular, are they still trying to push that? Or is that a one-off project that was just kind of a passion? Let's see what kind of when, when animals I, pop out. Yeah. When I talked to Garrett um, last about that, and that was back like a year after they hatched, I think that that was just kind of a one-off. I think someone convinced him to kind of Well, the, someone. It. Brian, Brian Cusco. Brian, 
Brian. Yeah, yeah. He's like, if I could have a super dwarf that looked as good as this Bantang Sula, then I would have a super dwarf. Right. And those two being good friends, I believe it was Garrett's just kind of pride and like, well, I'll make that for you and you right. will have a super dwarf. And I admire the hell out of that. That's cool. No, and it was awesome because like Brian ended up getting like one of the best looking ones from the clutch that Garrett hand selected for him and Brian didn't even pay anything. Like Garrett just gave it to him. It's actually it's a cute story. They're cute. <laughs> it is. Bromances it was, it are was, the best. They they are. Um yeah, no, that's a great story. And I, I, I really like that that uh you know Brian recommended that project and you know Garrett made it happen and was just like, here, happy birthday. Um <laughs> So, um, next example, um, I threw my, my line of Kalato, not even a line. So, uh, you know, lab line or whatever the case may be, like, it's really not a line because it was only a, a, it was two clutches. I have the only living animal from the first clutch and then there's 13 animals out in the country. So well, and of- technically, even though I don't believe any of the animals survived, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but even though none of the animals survived, those animals were bred before. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they they had not produced offspring that were were living. Um, yeah. So um, I want to include this one, not to toot my own horn, because this is is an example of one that's like very quick and to the point. So it was very easy for me to get, um, little. It was very quick for me to get, um information so uh let's see here um so in 2021 um and 2022 i produced f1s from two wild caught animals i bought those wild caught animals um from samson pruitt samson pruitt got those animals uh from fascination herps fascination herps imported those animals that is eric keister um eric keister traded those animals to samson pruitt on a big trade Samson Pruitt had those animals for only one season and then I acquired them from Samson. Um, and so a very quick, uh, line. And again, I've said this before, but the way I went about that, Samson gave me this story. I reached out to Eric Keister without giving Eric Keister the story. He confirmed that it was based off of a trade. Um, so things that I looked for to do that. Now I know Samson Pruitt right now is not an, uh, or not a very, good or trustworthy name but i think what we're going to talk about later in terms of lineage uh it's just important to note that you know as i mean as- it, it just matters that you get past the or the the samson and find out where those animals came from originally yeah and as much as people don't want to talk about it um the only th- there's two lines that we know of right now of coyote in the u.s and if it wasn't for samson we'd only have one um right now so as much as you know we all definitely cannot stand the guy um you know screw him that we're even mentioning his name in this podcast but as far as lineage tracking it's relevant um all right next one is another kalatoa animal nathan yeah so eric lee obtained this animal uh around 2015 from dennis mcnarma uh mcnarma wow i cannot pronounce last names today mcnamara mcnamara okay it's close enough to your last name. I feel like I'm just mixing the two um, <laughs> who obtained those from uh, LLC. Who's LLC? Triple L Reptiles. 
Oh, triple L. Oh, oh, I put LLC. Yeah, you put LLC. I'm like, uh, a limited liability. (laughs) What? (laughs) From triple L reptiles. Yeah. So from triple L, who is uh, the identified importer, um, I I think that, you know, triple L has been around long enough. And back then, back in, well, yeah, back in 2015, you know, the big push for locality retics wasn't really there. So there's no reason on their part to lie. Yeah. And that was just when Eric Lee acquired the animal in, uh, um, in 2015. And so this person, Dennis McNamara got them earlier from, uh, triple L reptiles. And, uh, if I'm not, Do you mis- know what year that was? Cause yeah, I was confusing that with the I 2015 asked- year, which w- in any case would just put it back further before exactly. the, the Lacey act bands, which again, less reason to lie when these animals are going for a couple hundred bucks a piece. Right. Um, Eric Lee wasn't able to tell me that. Um, and um, that's not the only time that there's a Calatoa uh, out there that goes back to Triple uh, L reptiles. So Triple um, L is still importing. They've done importation before. Um, I don't know the, the um, I, I don't know who they use or what they do, but um, I do know that they import. So well, and um, who knows if they're still using that specific importer because we can't right. import retics. Um, I know that that female died around 2021 that Eric Lee had, and I know that that female was responsible for producing, I think, Eric Lee, you're going to kill me if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure the the um, his 2021 clutch of the 87.5% marbles double head snows um that that he produced that he's growing up right now to make uh i think what he's planning to do is 93.7 <laughs> yeah it's cr- it's yeah the it's a crazy project i right. i love the commitment he has in just trying to make these things as close to pure super dwarf as possible right um and again we're just going through examples of tracing back lineages that are known and this last one that we put here is the, uh, uh, it's Kaiwadis and specifically the Slither Lion Kaiwadi. So F2s were produced by me and Daniel Solis in 2022. The F1 Slither Lion male was also used in 2020 by Garrett Hartle, who produced Kaiwadis. Uh, that was a Slither Lion male to a Murdoch line female. Unfortunately, that female passed. Um, and so out there, you know, um, me and Daniel have produced F2 Slitherline and Garrett used the Slitherline to produce what he did in 2020. Now, those were F1s that we all use. Samson Pruitt produced those F1s in 2018 and in 2019. Um, and he acquired, Samson acquired those animals by Raul Diaz. And Raul Diaz obtained those animals from the importer, which is Dan Maleri at DM Exotics. So, which is, in my opinion, he's the top. Just with, just with the connections, him living, you know, in Thailand locally, being able to have personal relationships with these importers and these farms around where he's staying, you know, it just gives so much more merit to any kind of locality data that might be attached with these animals. It does. Now, one thing that I will mention, if anybody 
doesn't matter who if they say oh i have animals that were imported by dm exotics or this is what it is like dan maleri is super accessible confirm with him like he will be happy and talk your ear off it'll be like 10 p.m at your time and like three in the morning in indonesia or whatever the hell the time difference is and he'll talk to you about this stuff so now everyone don't go calling him please um but He's very open about this stuff. So if you hear that your animal originally, like, I don't know if you're buying an F1, F2, F3, whatever the case may be. If that breeder says these are Dan Maleri imports, just contact Dan Maleri. Have a conversation yeah. with him. Con- contact him, but on on your Madu or whatever that he had no part in importing, just, you know. Yeah. Don't, yeah. It, only contact him if it's relevant to the animal <laughs> that you're buying or that you have. Only if his name pops up. Right. We all know that he works with so many different species. He's busy putting out, I believe, three videos a week yeah. and still just staying on top of helping the community in terms of, uh, you know, getting into new species, making sure that what they have is the correct thing from him. It just he he's he's a man who's very busy. So don't waste his time. Right. And let me let me emphasize this. The guy. He's not a sponsor by any means, but if there is, if you are interested in actually understanding the importation exportation process and your into locality species across the board, it's only five dollars to join his Patreon, and he only has one tier. <laughs> so, so go join his Patreon because I joined it about two months ago, and it's one of the most informative things that I've ever done to actually understand the importation exportation process. Yep. Um. Okay, so those are all of the different um, examples of how we were able to trace different localities to different sources to give you the background for someone to feel confident. And again, that was just by getting names, following up on names, following the quote-unquote paper trail. And you guys are all capable of doing that. And I think if we... I was taught to do this by mentors. I'm now, we, we are now trying to give you this information for you guys to do this. Um, cause it's important. Cause the last thing that we want to do is just, um, I don't know about you, Nathan, but when I was going through and I was digging through the different lines and everything, uh, different localities, I, I really think that there is, we think we have more than we actually do. And if we don't do our due diligence, we're going to just, we're going to live in this like utopia of what we want to believe when in actuality, it might not actually be what we think it is. And so I encourage everyone to, to, to do your part and just kind of follow the paper trail. You know, and it's a double-edged sword a little bit because with how bottlenecked we are with every single locality, just with importation being down, yeah. there there comes a time and point where everything's going to be inbreeding to a, a point to keep these localities alive. Absolutely. And I think that's where the Jampianus, um, you know, subgenus or species comes into place, right? So the, the Jampeas, the Kalatoas, the Madus, Carapas, whatever the case may be, um, you know, scientifically right now, those are under Jampianus. And so, um, yeah, at some point that that's, you know, it's, it's going to happen. And, um, I just hope that, uh, at least here now that if we are selling a pure Kalatoa that we are 
representing it as such. I, I would rather that we intentionally begin to outcross and we know what we're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, I want to just wrap up some talking points. Number one, um, debunking the myth of paperwork being available. When you guys find paperwork for more than one or two people, let me know if that's a standard that we need to start applying. But as of right now, it's not going to happen that I'm aware of. Yep. Step two, show me those GPS coordinates, everyone. Yeah, exactly. And that applies for every freaking reptile and every species in the hobby trade. Um, stop using that argument. You guys are like, it just, it doesn't sound, um, when you guys are stating that argument, uh, it sounds like you're almost trying to defend the illegitimate animals that you have really like that. That's not a standard when it comes to being a keeper or hobbyist. Now, if you're a scientist and you're coming into the, the retake world, cool, make that argument, but it's a little different in our world than it is in your world. Um, next point is, um, kind of what we've been talking about in terms of like, what is it that we value? Just being able to go back as far as you can and making sure that the information is there. Um, and use this physio as an example of the animals that we are demonstrating. Visio is a TV, not a, not what we produce. Did I say visio? You did. Oh, so bitch. I, 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 I felt a little slur there. So I was, you called me out on it. Thank you. Um, so use this visio, which is a video to track the lineage um, and uh, see what you can come up with. Now. Yeah. And I, I don't want to give too much away. You guys will have to stay tuned for next week. Um, but we will be talking a little bit about the TK Kalatoa line and just some of the importation data and, you know, just some of the information about, uh, where that line has been and come from uh, and maybe just a tiny bit of a shadow of a doubt about what those animals really are. Yeah. So, so we, we're, we're going to be dropping only facts. We're going to be using, we're going to have up another screen. We're going to be having screenshots and information and you guys next week are going to find out whether the most infamous quote unquote Kalatoa line is actually Kalatoa or are there too many questions left unanswered on that note. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Shout out to our Patreon members and shout out to our sponsors. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next Friday, Nathan, anything else? So we were talking about AKC earlier. Mm-hmm. And if we wanted to start one for retics, could we just call it OnlyFacts and have OnlyFacts.com? Just an idea. We'll see you guys next week. See you, everyone.